Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Downs. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Um, today, Dr. Daniels, um, we were sitting here before I turned the cameras on and we was talking about, you know, just being able to heal from your past and like how to heal, how that healing process takes place. And when it's complete, you're able to really move forward in life. And and you've ran across situations, of course, you know, as being a pastor and people coming to you. And then when you're counseling them too, you find out like the things been happening deep in their life. We're talking like childhood or even, you know, uh, early adulthood, mm-hmm. things they've experienced, things they've seen, and they don't realize that that stuff affects them and things they have done, sure. you know, you know, to people that they haven't forget gave themselves for in order for them to move on. So let's talk about that today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what you say is so spot on because, you know, I mean, everybody wants to live a productive life. Everybody wants to live a good life. And, and what we're trying to help people do is to live every day strong, right? To get the most out of every day of your life. But, but what I find is that a lot of people can't do that because they have so much baggage, so much hurt, so much, you know, the, the hope that many of us have has been drained from them based on past events. And so they carry that past into their present. And when you carry that past into your present, it's hard. It's almost impossible to wake up every day with a positive attitude. Mm -hmm. And if you don't wake up with a positive attitude, then it really destroys your ability to live the day, uh, you know, to the fullest of what you could get out of that day. Yeah, it it does. And especially if you're waking up and and people talk about this all the time. It's like, don't grab your phone. Don't turn on the news first thing in the morning. You know, I know as a pastor, the first thing you would like for people to say, but when I wake up, the first thing I do is get in touch with the Lord and, and pray and get in the Bible. Right. And this really should be the first thing you do. And but if you're not going to do that, wake up and do nothing mm-hmm. for the, like 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Sure. So you, you at least you're starting your day off neutral. As a minimum, start off neutral. Right. But, you know, I, I tell anybody, there's no substitute for waking up and assessing the positive things in your day yesterday. I, I, what I find is so many people wake up in the morning and the thought on their mind is all the negative things that happened to them the day before. Mm-hmm. And so they're focusing on how can I correct the negatives? And, and not, I'm not saying you should not correct the negatives, but if you focus on the negatives of yesterday, then that becomes what you look for today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you wake up in the morning and you are thankful for what happened yesterday, because there's so many th- things to be thankful for in every day of our life. So for me, I like to wake up in the morning. And of course, you know, as you mentioned, since I am a pastor and, and I'm a believer, you know, whether I was a pastor or not, I'm a believer. So part of my routine when I wake up is to thank God and, and to be have a prayer and a life and a connecting with my, my, my Lord. But my connecting is not to big. It is, it is not that kind of connection. It is to thank God for all the great things that he did the day before. And then mm-hmm. it puts me in a, in, a, in a different frame of reference, you know, right. uh, because there's so many good things in the average day for me to be thankful for. Now, I may have had one or two bad things happen. But am I going to allow the one or two bad things to overshadow the, you know, 40 or 50 good things that happened that day? Right. Uh, but if I wake up always working on that bad thing, then it kind of changes the whole dynamic. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I will say, Pastor, if I wake up 
And, you know, yeah, sometimes you just have those days like, okay, this is shaping up to be one of those type days. It works for me. Sometimes I lay, I will take a 15 minute nap. Yeah. And just center myself. Mm -hmm. Take a 15 minute nap or just chill out and then essentially start the day over. And it could be like at three o'clock in the afternoon. Like, you know what? My morning didn't go too great. And my early afternoon ain't really, okay, let me stop it right here. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that I have the power over me to be able to do that. And what's funny when I do that is my little trick. Next thing I know, the day goes on and nothing else mm -hmm. bad happens and a few good things start to happen. But how many people you know, Dr. Daniels, that 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 miserable thing that happened to them or that bad thing in the morning at nine o'clock, more so into something else at noon, more so to something else at three mm -hmm. o'clock on a Monday. And the next thing you know, they look up, it's Friday mm -hmm. and they've had a whole bad week and it just snowballs and onto months and maybe possibly years. Right, right. You know, and I'll say this, when you really boil it down, though, I don't think it's so much that they're experiencing bad things each day. I think what happens is the bad thing that they experience, they won't let go of. of it. Right. You know, it stays in their head. So, you know, in order for me to live, you know, every day strong, in order for me to live every day moving forward, um, an injury to my consciousness or injury to my, to, to my soul is just like an injury to any other part of my body. I have to heal it before I can start using it again. But we don't tend to look at it that way. See, if, if you were to break your arm, for example, you wouldn't think to yourself, well, I can start back using that arm to lift things while it's still broken. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to go to the doctor you're going to have them x-ray it. You're going to have them confirm what the problem is. You're going to have them set it. You're going to have them, you know, you're going to rest it. You're going to do whatever it takes to get it back healed. And then you're going to rehabilitate it so you can get back into that, you know, that, that, that process. When we are hurt, you know, I guess we can call it heartache because, you know, that's how we tend to think of it as opposed to a, a mind thing. Right. When we are hurt, we don't stop to assess the hurt. We don't stop to uh, uh, figure out what do we need to do to heal the hurt. Mm -hmm. And we don't allow time for the healing process. Uh, and so we, and we don't bandage it up. And then we don't rehabilitate from it. So many people who have pain in their past, rejection, let's say, in their past, who, who have been <clears throat> cast aside or who have been uh, put to the, put, 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 put uh, things put upon them that they shouldn't have had put upon them. And when they lose that hope, when that, that their sense of self is degraded, they don't get rehabilitated from that. And, but yet they keep trying to use that same thing over and over again without a healing process taking place. You cannot live strong mentally until you have healed mentally, mm -hmm. just like you can't pick up weights until right. you have healed. Right. And I think that's what people need to start doing. So just like I'm going to seek a doctor for a pain in my arm, I need to seek, seek help for pain in my brain, mm -hmm. you know, uh, whether it be um, my, my pastor, whether it be some mental health, you know, uh, official, uh, uh, professional, whatever. I need to seek that help. And then I have to go along with the prescription they give me so I can be mended. Mm -hmm. And I have to allow for that period of time. And then when it gets mended, I have to understand that what happened is what happened past tense. Right. You know. 
the more I dwell on it, it, it stays present tense. And so every day becomes a present tense when it happened five weeks ago or happened five years ago. And, and so if you keep it in your present, it becomes a part of your present. So you can't live that day to the fullest extent. So really what we are experiencing is not the pain of today, but the pain of yesterday. Right. And we just keep putting it fresh in our heads every day because we haven't healed from it. Yeah. You know, one thing that I, that I have done in situations like that, if I just I'm just sitting around and then a thought enters my head of something happened in the past, and I get like, man, I really didn't mess up. But then you know what centers me? I say, you know what though, if that wouldn't have happened, my two kids wouldn't have been born. Mm-hmm. You know, so it must have meant to. To happen. Sure. So that's what really kind of centers me, like stuff that, you know, like when I played ball in college when I was injured and, and why I didn't do this and why I didn't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. But if something, if one thing happens different, my two kids are not born. Right. You know, if I do one decision different, so I can't go back and look at it and say I, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I made the right choice. You know, and, and, and that helps me. And life happens sometimes, right? Let's take a worst case scenario. Let's say that um, your my mother had abandoned me at birth. Let's mm-hmm. just say she did. All right. Let's say my mother had abandoned me at birth. So I'm raised by someone else. So you know that puts a kind of uh, feeling in me that that you know that 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 fear of abandonment. Right. Know, that that sense that nobody loves me because if you if 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 my mother didn't love me, that meant nobody loved me. Well, you know, and, and I get that. That that seems to make sense, but that's right. not reality. Right? right. And that's why I'm saying we have to heal from the hurt. Because, you know, when we go back, and this takes sometimes professional guidance. If I really break down that pain, what I find is this. Let's say it is absolutely true that my mother didn't love me. Mm-hmm. The person that raised me must have. That's right. Because they raised me. Let's say my mother's abandonment was for whatever reason. The other person did not abandon me because mm-hmm. they raised me. Right. So what I am a, so really when you think about it, uh, what I'm doing is I'm judging the world based on one person. See, I'm using that one person as a as as kind of a standard and saying everybody is like my mother. When that is not true. Because right. everybody's not like my mother. So then what I do, I look for, and, and as you pointed out when we were just you know, having conversation, is anytime something resembles what my mother did, now that kind of helps me to affirm that I was right about you know, life in general, uh, which is not how you want to deal with things, because that suggests I haven't healed from my past yet. Mm-hmm. Now, what I have to do really is go back, and this is a part of the healing process, is I need to go back and find out why my mother abandoned me. Why was she not there? She could have been abandoned because she was a teenage, a teenage pregnancy, mm-hmm. right? Right. That could have been it. It could have been because she was on drugs. That could have been it. It could have been any number of things. But when I look at what she did, perhaps it was because in her mind, that was what she needed to give me the advantages that she could not give me. Mm-hmm. Which meant, really, that's the greater love. See, the greater love is not to hold on to me mm-hmm. and allow me to suffer. The greater love is to release me so I can be better. 
when I go back and I assess all that, it'll help me to see things in a clearer light. So, and once I see those things in a clearer light, it'll help me to realize that, wait a minute, I, I am special and I am loved because mm-hmm. she loved me enough to release me. Mm-hmm. The person that raised me loved me enough to raise me and give me all the advantages that they did not have to do because they were under no obligation to pay for me, no obligation to give me a place to stay and to feed me, those kind of things. So once we lock that in, it'll help me to actually put that in, in the rear, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't do that. Once I put that in the rear, then I can move on. You know, I can't tell you how many times I have dealt with couples where the husband will say something like this. Um, she will not let me be me because of how the other guy treated her. Mm-hmm. And so every time I do something, it's always that's what he did. And, you know, I, that hurts me when you do this. It's almost like she's always using the pain of her ex to the current guy who's mm-hmm. still there with her. See, he hasn't abandoned her. He's still right there, but he's bearing the brunt of what somebody else did. That's what I mean when I say you can't live strong today if everyone has to bear the brunt of what happened yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And you just, and also learning from that, like learning from what happened, like once you recognize what happened, learning from it, mm-hmm. and then being able to say, okay, now I can, I can forgive. Mm-hmm. And then what if, and if something that you've done, then you can forgive yourself. Right. You know, right. And, and that's, and that's really big points there. And pastor, how does a person break the cycle of constantly attacking themselves? I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm so stupid for doing that. Or why did I do that? You know, um, Back in the day, my mom used to tell me when I do something stupid, she'd say, well, you got S for brains. <laughs> you know, now I laugh about it. You know, I know she really didn't mean it, but right. I really did do right. something stupid. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's like, but there's people out there that are constantly hear True. that. You know, and, and that's that's a problem because here's what, here's, what, here's what I find. When you look at people that were constantly criticized in, when they were young, when they were not uh, made to feel important when they were young, they tend to have that those feelings of a defeatist attitude right. as an adult, you know. And, and, and so from, a, from, from a, a, a therapeutic standpoint, what, you, what, what we are taught to do is to help them actually go back and see, is it that they were not up to par? Or was it the expectations of the person greater than what it should have been? You know, mm. B- because see, once you can put it in the perspective, not through the eyes of the person that was putting you down, but from the perspective of reality, you know, oftentimes parents, especially educated parents, will project their own intellect on their child. And so their thing is, yeah, you're stupid because you are six and you're not acting like a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not acting like, you know, a, old, a more mature child. But, but when you look at the behavior of that of, of that person when they were six, what you deduce is, wait a minute, that's what six year olds do. Right. <laughs> you know, and so once I can help you see that you were acting based on your age, you really were doing what people your age do. Mm-hmm. And you really were making the same kind of mistakes that other people make. Exactly. And then once you can see that what you were doing was the norm, 
oftentimes what you'll find is what you were doing was not the norm. You were ahead of your, yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just the other person's expectations for you were so great. Right. When we can fix that and let you see that, then you'll begin to see yourself different. And once you see yourself different, it will allow you to then uh, uh, n- not just, I won't say make better decisions, it will allow you to be more confident in the decisions that you make. Because here's the reality of life. Decisions are only bad if the outcome is bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Bad outcome don't mean bad decision. Right. Bad outcome could mean you had people that were supporting you that didn't know what they were doing. Right. And bad timing. It could exist any right. number of things. Right. right. So and that's what you have to help the people, you know, from a, again, from a therapeutic standpoint. That's what we want to help people to understand is that, you know, let's say you change jobs. Right. And, and, and when you change jobs, the economy plummets. So you get laid off. Well, that don't mean it was a bad decision to take the job because you couldn't foresee the economy collapsing. That's right. You know, uh, it just meant, like you said, what the timing may not have been there, but that doesn't mean that you made a bad decision per se. Uh, it, it, it's just circumstances of what, you know, they were. So we have to gauge it with a sense of reality, put in perspective, put the right measuring point in place and move on from there. Yeah. Now, one thing I want to ask is, where does prayer and speaking with God fit in with this? Like, say you're a person that doesn't, they don't have too many friends, or you don't trust other people mm-hmm. with this type of. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a, I own a mental health company, so of course I'm going to say go get counseling and things right. like that. But let's say for the person that just says, okay, I don't maybe need that right now, but I need something. Mm-hmm. How do they go about praying to God about? getting help or fixing their problem. Well, uh, let me say this. I'm going to talk about that too, but let me say this. Um, You know, I'm a firm believer that if I will go to the doctor because I have high blood pressure, if I will go to the doctor because I have high cholesterol, if I go to the doctor because I think I may have the flu, I should not avoid the doctor because I'm having um, emotional issues, you know, Generally speaking, I let the professional tell me if I need medication. I mean, that's what we do. Right. We go to the doctor, the doctor examines us, and the doctor says, yes, you do need medication, or we can control it with diet, or you do need to see a specialist or whatever. When it comes to mental health, we don't do that. Right. You know. Right. You're right. So I'm saying that uh, you you don't avoid a professional just because you are saved. You don't do that. Right. That's point number one. So I would say to anyone, if 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 you if you find yourself crying all the time, let's say, you know, if you find your yourself where you your you know your your eating habits are, are changing, you don't want to eat, you you lose enthusiasm about life. If your sleep sleep habits change dramatically, talk to your primary care physician. Let them know what's going on. Let them help you get the help that you need. It may not be medication. It may be counseling, right. but you want but you want to rule other things out first because <clears throat> it can be you know something that's more dramatic, you know. Um, it, so just want to put it on the table. Now, uh, do I believe that prayer works? Absolutely. Do I believe that prayer can change things? Absolutely. Um, but 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 here's the thing: uh, we have to understand that education goes hand in hand with with prayer life. 
In other words, uh, no matter how much I pray to God, if I don't understand the God I'm praying to, it won't change how I feel about me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the thing that one needs to understand is how important they are in the whole scheme of things. So if, if, if I am feeling like I am not important, I need to understand how God sees me. And I can only understand how God sees me by understanding God and coming to know about him, what he was willing to do on my behalf, the things he do for me every day. Because generally speaking, we view our, our, our self as being important based on the sacrifices others are willing to make on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Like in a relationship, if that person is willing to make great sacrifices for you, you believe that person values you a whole lot. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. The more I know about what God did for me, the more I understand the value he places on my life. And if he places that kind of value on me and he says I am valuable, that should help me to understand my importance in the situation. The irony of life is this. People will accept more what people say than what God says. Right. You know, and I'll use church as an example. There are people who will leave the church because they say, you know, um, Nobody seems to like me in the church, right? Mm-hmm. So, but God never said he didn't like you in the church. Right. And I, when I say leave the church, I don't mean leave the local church. I mean the walk church. away from right. the church in general right? because they say that feel that way. But God never said he didn't like them, right? He never said, I don't like you. Stop coming to church. Right. But it could be one person that they have an argument with you know, in the church and they done for good. It's almost like we will believe God, believe, excuse me, man faster than we will believe God. You know, when God's words tell us how much he loves us, how much he wants us, how much he treasures us, we will accept man's point of view over, over anything else. Not only that, we will accept the negative over the positive. Yes. All day long. We'll sit one person can say, I'm stupid. And 25 can say, no, you're not. You're smart. Right. And we will spend all day worrying about what the one, one person, person said rather than taking the 25 at their word. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and that to me um, says when you do that, it means you yourself have some, some, some something that you haven't quite cleared up yet. You yeah. know, and that's why I'm saying I said earlier that oftentimes we're carrying baggage that we don't even know we have. Mm-hmm. And we gotta get we, we gotta heal that baggage so we can move on. Yeah, and you know the the, the crazy thing is, it's like when you go out and meet new people, and, and you know you're out on the road or you're doing something, and then sometimes you can you can see the person's baggage clear as day, mm-hmm. and they don't even know they have it. Sure. You know, sometimes you be like, well, well, I ain't gonna deal with this person. Cause I already know they got something going on with them. Like mm-hmm. I, I can just you can just feel it. You know. Or, you know, you be out with the guys, man, oh, mess with her. Oh, she crazy. You know, like, mm-hmm. and then you, if you happen to run into it, he's like, well, she seem okay, but I'm going to, like you said, you'll trust what somebody else would say. Over, over right. anything else. I'm telling you, I, I have had, uh, not a whole lot of folk, but I've had, I've had people at times, you know, treat me like I was stupid. Right. Now, I, I kind of smile on the inside. Because I'm thinking to myself, you must be stupid, you know, <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, I, because I, I'm so confident in my own intellect. I'm so confident in my own knowledge that, you know, you're treating me or you calling me stupid doesn't even bother me. 
Because I'm thinking to myself, uh, that's good that you think that way. That tells me how you, that tells me where you are, right? You know, there rather you than go. telling you where I am, right? But 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 that that stems from you know from not where I am as an adult. But to be honest with you, I believe it stems from where I was as a child. I've mentioned this before. See, as a child, I always got positive feedback. Always got positive feedback. Always got. I don't recall. Get you know, getting negative feedback until I was you know a teenager. Well, see, by then you kind of really developed, you know. Mm-hmm. And the negative feedback as a teenager, you know, wasn't you know what I would call necessarily bad. It's you know when your parents would say something like this, you're acting just like your daddy. You know, right. that ain't really negative feedback because I you know acting like just like my daddy wasn't negative to me. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> might right. Have been negative to my mother, but it wasn't right. negative to me. Right. You know, so I'm just saying those kind of things. And I think they have a great influence. I think a lot of people, because as a child, they weren't given that positive feedback. And I'm saying this to some of the parents, I want parents to understand, you know, we know how it made us feel, but then we don't stop to think how we're making our children feel. Right. And the impact it's going to have on them down the road, you know. And, and so we need to make a concerted effort to make sure that we always give positive feedback, that mm-hmm. we always lift our children up. And we also need to understand that just because someone else says I am nothing, that is never means I am nothing. And you gotta look at, you know, we always say things, we always say things like this, consider the source. Mm-hmm. And we really need to consider, consider the, the source. source. That's right. You know, consider where the information is coming from, not just the information. Um, in, 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 in uh, times past, people would say, uh, beware of the, of the dog that brings the bone. Rather than just worrying about the bone that was brought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right on that. Because mm-hmm. the messenger will bring you some stuff, you know, but it's just real life lessons here. And the crazy thing about it is you think, like when you're around 25, I got this. Mm-hmm. Then when you hit 30, you're like, man, I ain't have it at 25. I got it now. Mm-hmm. 35 hit. I didn't have it at 30. I got mm-hmm. it. At, mm-hmm. And a person, I forgot who it was. It was like, you basically hardly ever really truly get it because you're, you mature all the time. One would hope, right? You know? One would hope. But, but again, it's age appropriate. Now, yeah. See, to me, here's how I live you life. The wise person understands that you don't gauge yourself by where you're going. You gauge yourself by where you are, mm. right? And so for me, the question is, am I acting age appropriate? I mean, that's really it. You know, am I, did I make decisions at 25 like the average 25 year old? If mm-hmm. I did, I'm, I'm comfortable. I, right. I'm more than comfortable. At 30, did I make decisions like the average 30 year old? Not that I make decisions like, you know, um, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, right. because he wasn't average. Right. You, you know, so that's not what I'm gauging by. I'm getting by the average 25-year-old, you know, I, I look at decisions I made in life. Were they the best decisions? Do I regret some of them? Yes. But the question is not, do I think they were stupid? I just, I regret them because I could have done it differently. You know, you know, for example, at the, age of six, at the age of 15, I was working a full-time job. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back, do I wish I had not done it? Yes. Not because I think it was such a bad decision. It's because 
a lot of things that I wanted to enjoy about being in school, I did not enjoy. You know, right. even when I played sports, uh, fortunately for me, the coach accepted the fact that I was working. You know, right. and when I, because I would like, for example, I, I there were times, especially when I was, by the time I was sixteen, I was driving. I would go to the track meet, do my event, get in my car, and go to work. And go to work, and coach would let me do it. Right. But you ain't going to spend time with the track meet with everybody else watching everybody. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hang out. You know, right. I didn't ride back on the bus and enjoy the, enjoy the camaraderie on the bus. If, if we, I played baseball. We win a game. I'm gone. Right. You know, and I enjoy the camaraderie of people getting back to the school and everybody saying, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, going through all this kind of stuff. It's normal stuff. But does that mean it was a, a horrible decision? Because the bottom line is this. You take the average 15, 16 year old and offer them a job. Mm-hmm. But they can make some money. And guess what they do? Right. They take the job. Right. You know, so, so I made a decision, you know, that the average 16-year-old or 15-year-old would have made. That every 16-year-old would have made. The same thing was in college. I made those decisions that people in college make at that age. Now, would a 30-year-old have made that decision? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So that's how I look at it. I think that's what people need to do. You need to look at your decisions, look at where you are based on was it appropriate at that age? Now, I'm, uh, I'm at an age now where, of course, my decisions are different than they were back then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you do it that way, I think most people will find that, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm not as stupid as people told me I was. Mm-hmm. I, I did what people that age did, you know? If you were in college, for example, and you got a letter saying that, you know, you can have this credit card, you took the credit card <laughs> right. and you ran it up to the max. Right. You, you know, then you, when you're 30, you'll be saying, I don't know why I did something so stupid. But you did what every college student right. did. Go, go to TJ Maxx. Well, a TJ Maxx card? Right. No, I do not want a TJ Maxx <laughs> yeah. card. Right. But you know, now you don't. Right. But back then. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Hook me up. That's what right. we did. Because right. what? You know, hey, I can go there and get some clothes. I can do this and do that. Right. It, it was what we did at those ages. So. That's to me is how you look at your life. If you look at it the other way, you're always depressed because you're always thinking, man, I should have did this. I should have did that. My God, I'd have been here if I did it. No. At that time, did I make a decision that made sense for me at that time? Mm -hmm. If it did, move on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and now that I um, know a lot more about real estate and things, and when people come up to me and say, CB, I'm um, renting and Rent an apartment. I'm thinking about buying a house. And the first thing I say is, are you used to living in an apartment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I said, go buy a duplex mm-hmm. you know, or quadplex. It's the same loan. And then you got the other three people paying you to stay there for free. Actually, <laughs> but, you know, the thing, but the thing is what? Is that before you buy a house, you don't think that way. Right. Right. And you don't know. I, I give you a classic example, right? My first house, I got a 30-year loan. Right? Mm-hmm. Now I was a finance major. Right. I was a finance major. You <laughs> got a 30-year loan. But I got a 30-year loan in my first house. Did I regret it? No. Why? I didn't say that 30 years. I moved anyway. Right. So it was like it was a bad decision. Now I do know that was not the best decision. But that only mean it was a bad decision to get a 30-year right. loan. Right. You know. But as I progressed and I started thinking about, wait a minute, what did I learn when I was in school? Because, you know, when you first get out of college, you don't necessarily apply everything you learned. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, then you start thinking about, wait a minute, what did I learn? Oh, I don't need a third year loan. Let me get this kind of loan. Or let, right. You know, you, then you get the loan that best fits where you're trying to go. Right. As opposed to just accepting the loan that somebody gives to you. 
But again, the average person, when they buy their first house, they don't. They, I say the average person, not everybody, because there are some people that do get different types of loans. Mm-hmm. But the average person just takes the loan that they offer them, which right. is usually a 30 year loan on a mortgage. Right. You know, uh, and that's just the way life is. The average person, when they get a loan, they get an FHA loan. Right. You know, that's because that's what they offer them. So I don't feel bad about doing it that way. Not at all. You know, I don't feel bad about getting a 20 year loan. I don't feel bad at all because on, on the home I'm in now, I got a 20 year loan. Now, I didn't get not one 20 year loan on any rental property I had. Always 15 year loan. Yeah. Always 15 year loan. You know, but, but I don't feel bad about getting a 20 year loan. Right, right. right. You know, because at the time, that's what made sense at the right. time. And then, not to mention that you can fix that issue by just paying a little bit well, more. Well, I, I did. I paid it off in less than <laughs> right. a lot less than twenty. Right. But, you know, but I'm just saying. You know, I'm just saying. Even, even if I couldn't fix it, yeah. you know, my point is that even, even if I stayed there and paid it, you know, for took twenty years to pay the house off. At what what does the average person do in their mid thirties when they buy a house? Do they buy a house and get a fifteen year loan? The no. average person doesn't. No. <laughs> you know. So when I look at it from that standpoint, you know, you know, when I when I purchased the home, I'm in my mid thirties, about thirty five years old. I did what the average thirty five year old do. I mean, right. I I did better than the average thirty five year old because the right. average thirty five year old would have got a thirty year loan. I got a twenty year loan. Right. So I don't feel bad at all. And that's what I'm saying about decision making. And that's what I'm saying about helping people understand that just because other people say what you did was bad, necessarily mean it was bad. And you have to stop telling yourself that what you did was bad. You have to really look at what you did and look at the results of it and ask yourself, were the results that bad? I mean, really, you know, let's say you marry somebody. That was a stupid thing to do. Why'd you marry that fool? Well, who knew the fool was a fool before I married him? Right. You know, if you knew they were a fool, you wouldn't have married him. But, you know, you, 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 if when you do that, you keep beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to keep beating yourself up because then that keeps lowering your view of you. Right. And it keeps you feeling uneasy about things that you do. That's right. Well, getting to the end, is there anything else you'd like to bring? No, I think we I think we kind of stretched the topic out this time. Yeah. I'm hoping people will I'm I'm hoping that I just hope that people will understand the need to heal before you can move on. I think that's the primary thing I want to get out of here. Yeah. That you can't you can't progress and be happy in your future until you have resolved the pain on your past. You just can't do that. And you cannot assume that you can do that by yourself. Right. You know, I think yeah. people need to understand that sometimes it really does require professional help. Every pastor is not a counselor. By virtue of being a pastor does not make you a counselor. Right. You know, it requires training. Yeah. And and so and that's and it doesn't mean that I believe that God isn't God, you know. Right. But but Luke himself was a physician even though he wrote one of the Gospels. Yeah. So the fact that God used the doctor says doctors must be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much. Mm. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Till next time.